Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I have Dion Lim, news anchor at ABC7 KGO-TV right here in San Francisco, Silicon Valley. On this week's tech news, and what is a complete shock, Disney CEO Bob Iger resigns. And this is interesting because Bob spent his entire career at Disney, and they say that he's leaving on a really high note because of the success of the Disney streaming service. Clearview AI, the company that was in the news for how they scrape data and sell it to third parties, uh, they're in the news again because their facial recognition software, their entire database of customer interactions, so all of their customers, how they use the product, that was stolen, and they don't know how. And so law enforcement agencies are working with Clearview to figure out what happened and how all this data got stolen from their databases. More to come. In a sign of the global supply chain being affected by such things as the coronavirus, Audi has announced they're suspending all electronic vehicle production due to a battery shortage. They're not able to get the needed parts in order to continue with production. Firefox, the browser that was prominent before Google Chrome, and Google Chrome is actually built on top of the similar technology, they announced they're going to enable a new technology called DNS over HTTPS, or DOE for short. This technology is required to further encrypt data streams. Uh, this is just a sign that technology companies are taking data privacy very seriously and starting to incorporate those features into their products. A French self-driving startup called Easy Mile was told to cease giving passenger rides. This is an autonomous vehicle that looks like a bus. And it only goes seven miles an hour, but there was an incident involving a passenger. So the NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, has asked this company to stop giving passengers rides while they figure out what went wrong. Google announced that they're going to spend $10 billion in the next year to increase their data centers and offices all around the U.S. Uh, Sundar Pichai, the CEO of Google, said that this is all due to growing demand and that this will create thousands of jobs in states such as Colorado, Georgia, Massachusetts, Nebraska, New York, Oklahoma, Ohio, Pennsylvania, etc. Also, our last news of the week is, have you ever seen an iPhone in a movie? Well, if you have, it's only with the protagonist, the good guys. Rian Johnson, the director for the Star Wars franchise, actually stated that, and he wasn't sure if he was supposed to say it, that Apple does not allow iPhones in the villain's hands in movies. And that's the technology news of the week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with a very special guest, Dion Lim, who is the anchor of ABC7 KGO-TV right here in San Francisco. Welcome back, Dion. Thank you so much for being here. You gave me a promotion, the anchor. I love it. I'll take it, Keith. Sure, Absolutely. <laughs> So, Dion, 
before coming to San Francisco, Kansas City, North Carolina, Tampa Bay. <laughs> How did that actually help you get into San Francisco? Oh my gosh, it's such a random journey, isn't it? Well, in, tele- in television, you need to climb the ladder. You have to go to markets that are bigger and bigger in order to get to a platform like San Francisco. So really, I think sometimes it's just luck of the draw, Oftentimes, but you keep going to a bigger city. And to be quite honest with you, I was laid off in Florida and I said, you know what? I've always wanted to work on the West Coast. Let's see what we can do. I either wanted to go to New York or I wanted to go to L.A. or I wanted to go to San Francisco. And this just happened to work out. Yeah. Well, all those places are very different and they have different weather patterns. (laughs) What were some of the takeaways from those experiences? Oh, boy. Kansas City, Charlotte and Tampa Bay. You know, there are wonderful things to be experienced in all of those cities. I think growing up for the most part in New England, I was a little prejudiced because I thought, my goodness, Kansas City, is that in Kansas or is that in Missouri? (laughs) But there are kind people everywhere you go. There are little gems of cuisines that you can try and explore. You know, I think sometimes we can be a little bit narrow-minded when dealing with uh, the idea of going to the Midwest or the South, but there are really genuine kind people all over. So growing up right here, and I'll talk about my parents. Um, my dad, once we got home, he was like, Keith, this really tall guy had a duck to get his head into Safeway. Mm. And he, I said, that's my new bull. And he said, yeah, you, I don't know who he is, but he's really, really tall. He had a duck to get into Safeway. He's really, really tall. And, and so just to think about it, back then, Alameda, there's a lot of sports figures who lived in our city. So so that was like fish out of water. My dad was not used to seeing that. But he forgets that our similar experience, and I know it's going to be takeaway back, that we both come from cities that at the time did not have a lot of Asian faces. <laughs> to put it this way, I was the first Asian American woman to be at the helm of a Monday through Friday newscast in Kansas City, and then later the first to anchor afternoons and then become the face of a television station in Charlotte and in Tampa Bay. So you can imagine the shock for some people and what that was like. And in Tampa Bay, I was paired with an African-American man. So God forbid, what's happening here? We have two minorities on my television at 11 o'clock at night. And that came with its challenges, too. And I like to share a story about a time when I took over for the woman who had been at the helm for 12 years, something along those lines. Okay, Gorgeous, white, blonde, maybe blue-eyed. I mean, she looked like she could be a supermodel. And the very first week, I had gotten a message from a viewer via a tweet. And I thought, oh, maybe they'll be nice and encouraging. They're here to welcome me to the market. It could not have been any worse. It was a message that said, the only reason why people watch your newscast is for the lottery numbers. Is the newscast now made in China? And I mean, how do you handle that? And nobody ever gives you a handbook on how to handle that because half of my news team said, oh, sweep it under the rug. Don't even pay any attention to it. While the other half said, oh, you got to just sass them back, say something really snarky. And of course, they couldn't do either one of those things. So for me, I realized, hey, I have a platform for the first time in my life. What am I going to do? I'm going to hit retweet. And I put three words attached with it. I said, wow, racist much? question mark, exclamation point. And you should have seen it. It was awesome. It was like fire. Bing, 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 bing. People came to my defense, hundreds of people. And eventually, the guy not only took down his his tweet, but then he took down his entire Twitter profile. And I realized, (laughs) you know something? We can make some change and we can have some moments in a very small way that have a very big impact. And so that being said, now you're in a environment where there's tons of Asians. 
What's that transition like? <laughs> this sounds so cheesy, and you're going to make fun of me, but when I first got to San Francisco, I remember staring at the postman because the postman was Asian. And up until living here, no postmen were Asian. There were no Asian contractors where I lived. And I equate it to seeing color. And it was like everything was in technicolor for the very first time. And I found myself marveling at even the smallest things. And to realize I don't have to drive three hours in order to get some decent sushi was pretty miraculous. So tell me a little bit how all these immigrant experiences really shaped you writing your book, Make Your Moment. Yeah. You know, growing up the daughter of immigrants, my mom is from Taiwan, my father is from Hong Kong, there is obviously a language barrier, but there's also a communication barrier. So growing up, we didn't talk about feelings. We didn't talk about our struggles. We just wanted to have good grades in school, be a scientist, be a lawyer, be a doctor, and everything's going to be fine. That is your way to success. And I quickly realized that that is not the way to success. And the the problems that I had communicating within the workplace were really hindering my career. So it wasn't until I learned while I was on the job how to interact with the unexpected, the awkward, the bizarre interactions. And you know who I'm talking about, that my career really started taking off once I learned how to master those things. Well, I want to dive more into that when we get back from the break. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. My special guest is Dion Lim of ABC7, KGO-TV, right here in San Francisco. you have any questions or comments about what Dion and I are talking about, email us at info at svn.biz. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with Dion Lim, who is the anchor, the anchor <laughs> of ABC7, KGO-TV right here in San Francisco. Welcome back, Dion. Thank you. Good to be here. So, Dion, here's a question I have is, with your career and all the cities you've been to, have you seen how has media changed? Oh, my gosh. Media has changed so much across the board. I mean, you just look at the number of people in media who've been laid off in the past year. I think it surpasses, don't quote me on this, the number of layoffs in media in the past five years. And this is solely because of the number of companies that are merging now. Mm-hmm. Um, market share, you know, is 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 insane right now because you have competition from streaming platforms, online, digital, social media. So nowadays, more so than ever, it's more content, but with less resources, right? You'll hear this across the board, no matter what type of media, radio or TV or print. So one of the biggest struggles, I think, is dictating what is newsworthy and what should be content. Because nowadays, if it's all about the clicks and making money, you could go down the rabbit hole of viral videos and caught on camera, but since when does that constitute news? Just because someone's behaving badly. Look at the news cycle right now. That man who was bumping that woman's chair for reclining oh, on a, crazy. an airline flight. Everyone's talking about it. It's the hottest story out there. But if nobody took that iPhone video, then would it be in the news? And you just really have to balance it. And it's a fine line. It's a hard line. And I don't think I don't think anybody has figured out really the right balance. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So I want to talk more about your book, Make Your Moment. And I, I want to start off with your book definitely resonated with me. I know we have a lot of shared experience. But I actually, as I read the book and I think about 
just how things are going on overall with people really in their careers, in the midst of careers, whether millennials, zennials, Xers, or boomers. There's something in it for everyone. What inspired you to write your book? Yeah, I think especially as a woman, we are told so oftentimes to beat our chests and to roar and to use the hashtag Me Too. And on Instagram, for example, speaking of social media, you see all of these affirmations, but nobody ever gives you a handbook, a guide, a step-by-step of how to execute these things. Because you can say all day long, be your best, but how do you do that? And I wanted to write this book not only based off of my struggles and my own experiences, but in order for women to know that they're not alone, that they have an ally. And at the end of the day, they have a friend who's been through the same things, no matter what color they are, but that they can get through it. And here is a, ha- a handbook on how to. Yeah. And what I really appreciated, because I struggle with this myself, um, I can sense a lot of vulnerability in the book. I mean, you definitely did pour yourself out into that, which I think the reader will appreciate. Um, was Make Them Your Moment always the title? (laughs) This is great. Um, No, because my literary agent said, okay, in order to get a really good deal, let's find a very eye-catching, kind of sexy, maybe risque title for the book. So she said, why don't we do I'm Not Connie Chung? Because every time I would enter a new television market before San Francisco, people would yell out into the street, hey, news lady, hey, Connie Chung, because they didn't realize that, oh, there are other people in television who can be Asian and not be Connie Chung. It was just, you know, because I was new. And um, that was our title, our working title. And it got a lot of attention when we we went to um, seek offers from publishing companies. And uh, ultimately, I reached out to Connie Chung, thanks to one of my colleagues at work, uh, just to get her approval. And she thought it was hilarious. <laughs> but we ended, we ended up with Make Your Moment, because I think everyone's career, man or woman, um, is full of these really pivotal moments that shape uh, who they are and then also uh, where their career is about to go. Have you met Connie in person? I have not. I, that's on my bucket list of things to do. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I can make that happen. But uh, <laughs> I, well, I mentioned to you once before that my mother's way good friends with her older sister. Yeah, well, that's a connection. Yeah, you know, taking it from a journalist, you know, we're very persistent. We could reach out to her. We could go on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. We can find all of these methods. I could, I could find her at her house. We have technology to do that. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about pioneers like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connie Chung's older sister's husband is Admiral Ming Chao, who at the time was the first Chinese-American admiral in the Navy. And so when I was little and he was stationed in Alameda on a, as, a, as a captain on aircraft carrier, the very first thing he did when he saw me was, you're going to join the Navy. Now, in context, it's not common for uh, Asian-Americans to go into the Navy back then. It'd right. be more like to what Dion just said, doctor, lawyer, accountant, engineer, kind of stereotypical jobs. But I think that's why this book is important, that we're at a time where We want people, I want my kids to really make their own identities, not to follow these stereotypical paths. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that I talk about a lot in the book is that I thought a news anchor was supposed to be the Walter Cronkite with the deep, booming voice. I thought when I got to Kansas City at 23 years old, as the youngest anchor in their entire history, the number one ABC affiliate at the time, that's how many people watched in the Midwest, I thought I was supposed to be this person that I has anchor helmet hair and these big shoulder pads and had that deep booming voice. 
I wanted to be like the coworkers that were 30, 40, 50 years older than me. But that was not my true authentic self. And I think authenticity is one of the big keys. And you mentioned how uh, vulnerable I get in the book. And I think you have to be to some degree nowadays in order to, one, stand out, and two, make your own moment and make a name for yourself. Yeah. And I think that shows because I think – because I don't want to give the whole book away. Mm. But you gave some really practical tips coming from your own personal experiences. Mm. Um, I wanted to touch on kind of what you were saying about uh, visual clues or visual cues. Um, What are some of the things that you found in your career that really – helps people think about what situation they're getting into. Yeah, um, the buzzword is optics, right, always. But for me, in order to stand out, instead of wearing that big boxy suit, I remember one day I slipped up really badly on air. At the time, the Speaker of the House, his name was John Boehner. Imagine how his last name is spelled. So I said on the air multiple times, John Boner, because I was so preoccupied with how uncomfortable I felt in this big boxy suit making my hands in different shapes that I just felt so not me. But when my general manager, VP of News, said to me later on, hey, you know what? We hired you for you and who you are because you came in here energetic and bright and not afraid to have fun. I realized that needed to be reflected in the optics of what I was giving the audience. So I went home. I took all of those suits. I put them on the ground. I donated them to Dress for Success. And I donned something really bright and something that reflected me. So I made that into my brand. If you can't tell by what I'm wearing and what I usually wear on TV, it's something solid. It's something bright. It's become my own trademark. So that's also helped me develop my own style. People know me. People call me Dion Lim now. They don't call me Connie Chung. And then also the optics of being ready. I think that's half the battle as well. Um, I was in Greece on vacation at the Parthenon, and I got a call saying, hey, can you go cover the Brett Kavanaugh hearing in Washington, D.C.? And I said, "Um, okay, you'll read more about how I handled that. But the optics, I had an earpiece in my suitcase with me. And an earpiece is the size of you know, it's three inches. It's it's super tiny. I can pack it along. But because I told my team that I had an earpiece with me, they thought, oh, my gosh, she's ready for anything. She's <laughs> the right person to send on this monumental story. So it definitely gave me, you know, a leg up going forward. And that's another thing I really love about your brand is that you really took the time when I heard some other t- uh, stories you've given that you were always ready. You're ready for anything. <laughs> well, I hope I give the impression of being ready for anything. But you kind of have to because there's breaking news. They tell you three seconds you have to start talking. I remember when I was on a completely different story and then the YouTube shooting happened. Mm. And I had no time. They said, go. And what do you do? You just have to ad lib what's around you and make it happen. So, Dion, this is fascinating. I want to continue on in our next segment talking more about what's in the book. Once again, you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo, special guest Dion Lim, anchor at ABC7 KGO TV right here in San Francisco. You have any questions or comments about what we're talking about, including how to get a copy of Dion's book, email us at info.svn.biz, and you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. Once again, I'm joined with Dion Lim, who is the anchor of ABC7 KGO-TV right here in San Francisco and Silicon Valley. 
So in this week's cyber tip, I want to talk about a new security vulnerability called Crook, and that's with a K, K-R-O-K. And a lot of times I'm giving you tips and you're not sure how you actually uh, utilize those tips or how you actually correct things that you hear about that you might be doing. Well, I want to actually just make sure you have this information. So Crook is a vulnerability that affects Wi-Fi chips from the two largest vendors, Broadcom and Cypress. And although you normally can't do anything directly, uh, this is a vulnerability that if the hacker got a hold of a chip inside your Wi-Fi router, uh, they would be able to see all the traffic going through there regardless of the encryption. So the good news is Broadcom and Cypress have already made patches. And if you have services like your home um, ISP, uh, they're most likely going to push those patches out to those routers you're using so you're covered. But what happens if you're like me and you run your own Wi-Fi router at home? It's incumbent on you to know where to find the patch and to be able to apply the patch to your router yourself. It sounds complicated. It really isn't. Um, your router is basically another computer on your home network. Uh, usually what happens is those providers, whether it's Amazon, Apple, Google, Samsung, or Zeus, you can go to their website, download the patch, and then follow the instructions to apply the patch to your own routers. And again, if there's any questions on this, um, you can always email us at info at svn.biz for more information. This issue is important enough that I will post something about it on svn.biz and also on our Facebook and LinkedIn. So go find us there. And that's the Cyber Tip of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with Dion Lim, who is the anchor at ABC7 KGO TV San Francisco. Dion, welcome back. Thank you. It's great being here. So in the last segment, we're just starting to get into the guts of your book. We talked about why you wrote it, and it's called Make Your Moment, the story behind the name. What are some of the stories, because I don't want to give the book away, what are some of the stories you want to highlight? <laughs> oh my gosh, there are so many of them. Oh, I mean, we cover a lot in this book, whether it be um, you know, how to master a room, because networking, this is a big one, I think, mm -hmm. because I used to be, believe it or not, dun-dun-dun, this news lady who would be hiding in a bathroom stall <laughs> at networking mixers and at social functions, because who wants to have awkward conversations with people you don't know? So there's one chapter that I really enjoy um, about how to master a room and then being a master of none, but yet carrying on a conversation. So it's a lot of these conversational skills. Uh, for example, I give the um, technique of finding the lowest common denominator. What is something that everyone can talk about and everyone can engage in? And some of those social cues of how to include people in your conversation by making sure you're looking at them and your body languaging and positioning. Yeah. And I, I, I think this is funny because we talked about the lowest common denominator. Uh, I'm going to Talk about a sore subject, mm -hmm. uh, Kansas City versus the 49ers. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not fair. Trick question. <laughs> I love the 49ers. I'm so sad they lost. <laughs> but because yeah. you touched KC, yeah. I'm assuming you're a Kansas City fan. Well, so here's the thing. <laughs> I am a fan of the underdog, as many people are. But then on the other hand, as a... Bay Area resident now for the past three years. And the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo used to play for the Patriots, I used to live in Massachusetts. I also root for him, who was the underdog as well. How is that for pivoting? We still like you. <laughs> but see see what I did there? I just did a technique right there. I didn't want to answer your question head on. <laughs> so I was able to tiptoe around it and give you a satisfactory response, no? 
It was satisfactory. See, see, thank you. You know, one thing I wanted to actually ask you about from the book, and this is, again, one of your very vulnerable moments, the ice bucket challenge. Oh, this is a good one. So do you remember when the ice bucket challenge was so hot? Yes. Everyone was doing it. You pour a bucket of ice over your head for ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease research, so that way people would donate to the cause. So I thought this would be a great thing for my co-anchor and I to participate in because it would go viral. You know, it's a crowd pleaser. It's a no-brainer. But at the time, the editorial team in the meeting said, no, we've people people have done that already. We've seen it. It's not new. My issue during those years was I was very reactional to everything, meaning I would instantly, because it's an emotionally charged moment, I was upset that this woman had said in front of my entire news team that my idea was bad, that I fired off an email in, I mean, I'm not joking, maybe 72 point font saying, this is why the ice bucket challenge matters. And it was the most passive aggressive email you could ever imagine. And I hit send to the entire organization, which is not a good thing for the face of your television station to do. It's actually quite childish. But I was just so upset because everyone in my newsroom said, it's a great idea. We're behind you. But because I felt humiliated by this one person, I had to save face. Mm. So it was a really good lesson in taking five minutes to step back or taking a minute. There's a a portion of my book where I talk about taking some time, stepping away from a situation and letting it sink in. Had I taken probably 24 hours to think on that email and maybe just hit save on it and didn't send it, I probably would not have sent it and caused all of those issues because it took a long time to regain everyone's trust after that. Yeah, that totally resonates with me because coming out of tech and banking, Mm. and I've never shared this story before, but I am the master of writing very, very articulated emails. I saw that from your text message. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but what I don't do is I don't put any two recipients in the email. So basically, it's my own way Safer of just that way. dealing with it. So I can, I can write an email, I can spend hours on it, and then, this is when I was in corporate as an executive, and then I just basically... You, know, you think about it. Am I going to put a name in there? I'm not going to put a name there. And then, and then eventually I just delete it, right? So it, it it's kind of that five-minute, 24-hour exactly. thought. And that's good advice. Because sometimes you can accidentally press send, so it's best to leave that two box empty. As I say often, digital is forever. So true. So then I, you, you bring up a funny point because I don't think a lot of people think about We think about West Coast, East Coast. And you had mentioned something about East Coast bluntness. <laughs> <laughs> it is true and it is scientifically proven. Okay, so I I grew up, you know, you can say since uh, my teenage years in Connecticut, you know, I visited New York often and I went to school in Boston and this is a thing. We walk faster. This is scientifically proven than people on the West Coast <laughs> and we also talk faster. So every market that I worked in, the consultant would have to come in and say, eh, Dion, can you just slow it down a little bit? You articulate great, but people are, you know, they, they're feeling rushed. So <laughs> it's a thing because in the East Coast, we're very direct and we don't have a lot of time. So let's cut to the chase. I'm going to be fast and I'm going to walk to my destination. So East Coasting is what I call being too blunt sometimes. And when something is going wrong in your organization, the worst thing you can do is feel out the situation incorrectly and be a little bit too forward. Because sometimes I would say to my producer, hey, 
this is a terrible script. Can you fix it for me? And I learned that, oh, gosh, I shouldn't be making an adult man cry. So I had to dial it back a little bit. But it's kind of finding that balance of what people can handle. And also, there are times when being blunt, you know, people got to get in this mindset. It's actually a good thing because who wants to beat around the bush if you're up for a promotion and you get strung along by the boss? How many times have we heard that? Or maybe you've experienced it yourself. Instead, if the boss just tells you, hey, you're not the right fit, we kind of like this person better, then you can... Wipe your hands clean of it and then move on to something else. See, it, it's a it's a double edged sword. So do you believe that adage that says for people who live in the West Coast or the East Coast, mm-hmm. so vice versa, leave the West Coast, experience the East Coast so you can get stronger, get harder, but leave before you get too, too hard. <laughs> exactly. is, is that an actual saying? Yeah. Oh, I've never heard about that. But um, yeah, I, I love it. I think. My collective experiences moving around the country, experiencing how different people communicate has helped shape who I am today. And think about it in the South where they have sayings like, bless your heart. Bless your heart doesn't mean bless your heart. Look it up. You'll see what it really means. But it's a way to soften the blow. And it works for them. um, And it makes them communicate better. Here's a question about social media. You have tens of thousands of followers on Facebook and Twitter how have you really incorporated social media into your life? It's it's still something not really well known in traditional media. Yeah. So how is that affecting you in your career? Well, I think it allowed me to really showcase who I am and help me develop my brand. And the way that it came about is pretty funny. I used to be so ashamed at the fact that my mom made my clothes. And viewers would write in and say, hey, I love the dresses you're wearing. They're bright and they're colorful and they fit you perfectly. But I would rarely tell them where they came from. But then one day, my mom had sent me a big box, because she lives in Connecticut, of dresses that fit so nicely. And I was so proud of them. And she had sent me a behind-the-scenes photo of her cutting the fabric and sewing on her little Singer sewing machine. And I posted it, and I shared with the world that, hey, my mom made this. It's super cool. And I realized that everyone has these shared experiences of having a mom who made something special for them or a best friend. And it made me more human. And that was another time that people started calling me Dion Lim instead of Connie Chung out in public. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm on to something here. Maybe if I share more about who I am, then people can relate and then people can connect and then want to tune in. So it was a way to showcase me. But then also, I think the pendulum can swing too far the other way, which is a problem that I witness with a lot of on-air personalities. They're sharing either too much, things that are not relevant, Uh or have made it into something that is so superficial that it gives off the wrong optics for for who they truly are. You know those pictures kneeling in front of cars looking like they're taking a squat, you know. Oh, yeah. what, is, what, <laughs> what what value does that have? Maybe it looks good and maybe you'll get a lot of Instagram followers, but um I think being able to realize that it's not all about clicks and likes and just being authentic and as much so as possible. I agree with that. And and you probably have heard that Twitter and Facebook are thinking about and testing getting rid of likes. Yeah, and I think I welcome that. We'll see what happens because so many people judge their success off of how popular a post is. And it goes back to what we said about dictating news coverage. Why should a story get more billing because it's so popular? Keanu Reeves spotting. (laughs) That's all the rage right now. I know. know. But how many times is Keanu newsworthy in a news cycle? That's another question to ask. Hey, I saw where he's eating Baskin Robbins in my hometown. (laughs) Yeah. See, 
it resonated. It's great on social media. So does that make it worthy for the rest <laughs> of the world? Well, Dion Lim, thank you again for being on the show today. I really enjoyed having you talking about your book, Make Your Moment. I welcome you back anytime. I would love to come back. This has been such a pleasure. And don't go away because even though we're saying goodbye to Dion, the regular part of the show, she'll be right back to talk about the pivot. So if you have any questions or comments, how to get Dion's book, Make Your Moment, email us at info at svn.biz. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, and we'll be right back to finish the show. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Once again, I'm joined with very special guest, Dion Lim, the anchor of ABC7 KGO-TV right here in San Francisco. Welcome back, Dion. Thank you for having me. On today's show, we've talked about Dion's journey coming from many different cities to make it all the way down here to San Francisco. And she authored a book, Make Your Moment. And so on today's pivot, we really wanted to talk about part of the book that I really found fascinating. How do you communicate with yourself to communicate with others? Yeah, I love this chapter so much because... Growing up, having very low self-esteem, feeling so different from my peers, and then going into the workforce still feeling different, I realized that I needed to find some kind of ally, somebody out there who could go along this journey with me or who has been through the same experiences as me. Um, But I didn't know how that would happen. And in order to really be okay with communicating with other people, you have to be with okay with who you are. And when people are saying, oh, the things you're eating for lunch are funny, or the way that you style your hair is so different, you know, it's hard to break through. And for me, I remember when I was in Charlotte, I had taken over the 11 o'clock newscast for a woman named Sonia Gant. She had been there for decades Mm. in the market. Her father was mayor at one point. She (laughs) was so beloved, one of the sweetest, most kind women in the world. And when the announcement was made, I cried. And not because I was happy. I mean, yes, I was happy, but I was torn because in another way, I also felt guilty. Oh, my gosh, Sonia's going to hate me. This is terrible. And instead, she saw me in the hallway, and she gave me a big hug, and she looked me in the eye, and she said, Dion... Why would I hate you? Everyone has his or her own seasons in this life, and it is your season to shine. There is enough room for all of us. And that really turned on a light bulb in my head. It was a moment, um, speaking of making moments, that I realized that I didn't have to compete so often because I was harboring for so many years of my career that feeling of, oh, I have to be the best. I have to be the brightest. I have to be the most talented, the 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 most successful because you know that's what my a very Asian parents kind of drilled into my head um, and then also I felt there was so much competition with other women and I think that's something that we I don't know where it comes from but we always compare ourselves to other women we always compare ourselves mm-hmm. to other people and in that moment when Sonia took me in her arms and said it was okay go and shine and go do you it gave me the okay that yeah, you know what? There can be another Asian American woman in our news station and 
it'll be fine. Yeah, there's enough room for all of us. Because before that, there would be an Asian American. I remember this very vividly and very shamefully. There was an Asian American woman who came in for an interview. And instead of asking her, hey, how are you? What's your name? I instantly started Googling and trying to figure out where she was from. And then I cornered her in the hallway and I said, are you here to take my job? And come on. I mean, that's pretty bad form. (laughs) It's pretty rude. But I felt like I was being threatened. And that's something that a lot of people feel, I realized. And if I could just own up to it and get better and realize that you don't have to do that, you're more free to have those really frank or those really necessary conversations because you're not so ingrained in, you know, all the drama. Yeah. So for me, my moment was um, early in my career, I started doing technology deals. And again, if you just listened to my voice and didn't know my name, you would not necessarily know that I'm Asian American. Mm. And I don't even really have a command of the Chinese language. But what happened was when you saw me, I'm doing these nine-figure technology deals. And if you saw me at the time, you might think I'm still in my early 20s, right? That's just the way people look. So one of my coworkers, an, an older Indian American, he pulled me aside and said, let me give you some advice. You, know, you have to play out of a different deck. Mm. You know, people have perceptions about you just on your appearance. And so, you know, don't play by the rules. And that was really, really um, advice that I give out to others today because it's something where no matter who you are, what ethnicity you are, they say that they pretty much prejudge you in the first three seconds of, of knowing. It's instantaneous, Absolutely. right? So you have to already have your game plan ahead of time. Like, how are you going to project yourself? Be your authentic self, but make sure you're aware. And that's what I really liked about your book. You're actually talking about being aware. (laughs) You know what? I think that's half the battle, isn't it? Is that people do not realize how others are reacting to them. And it's those micro interactions or people losing focus. When I'm in front of an audience, if people are starting to drift away, oh, I got to hook them back in somehow. How are we going to do that? We'll do that through body language. We'll do that through content. And also, are people shrinking away when they're talking with you. Maybe it's what you're saying is rubbing them the wrong way. And it's having that awareness that um, really gets people to listen. And then also having the skill to listen um, makes it a more comprehensive, effective conversation. And I think following up to that, what I really liked near the end of your book is anticipating the need of others. I don't think that happens enough. And I think that really does bring out that connection. Yeah, Um, because think about it. Nobody, everybody is so engrossed in their day-to-day in what they're doing. But if you can anticipate someone else's needs before they even ask, it goes a long way. It's the small gestures that make the big difference. For example, I remember um, (laughs) my camera person was about to climb a a very steep set of stairs, but I had already grabbed the tripod out of his van for him and carried it up. And he said, wait a second, you didn't have to do that. And I said, I know I didn't have to do that. But that kind of just fostered a nice relationship and a nice moment for us so that he could trust me and that he knew that I had his back without even him having to ask. Dion, so great to have you on the show today. How can people get your book directly? Oh, well, Books, Inc. is my official bookseller here in the Bay Area. So please support Buy Local. Um, but you can find it wherever books are sold, Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com as well. That's great. So once again, Dion Lim, 
the anchor at ABC7 <laughs> KGO TV. I, I love this promotion. Can we make it into a, a, a raise maybe? Well, until I meet Dan, I don't have to actually give a different ah. title. <laughs> I love it. Thanks again for being on the show. If you have any questions or comments, email us at info at Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Buy Dion's book, and I hope to have you back. Yay, thanks. I would love to come back. Thanks, and see you next week. For questions or comments on today's program, call one 888 7846 That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On my podcast today is Dion Lim, the anchor of ABC7 KGO-TV here in San Francisco. And Dion is here to talk about her book, Make Your Moment, and she wants to impart her best tips. <laughs> my number one tip has got to be authenticity, because when you are in a 16 by 9 box and you are being watched by the world and everyone is judging you, it's really hard not to to show your authentic self because there are these preconceived notions of what a news anchor should be, right? Dressed nicely, wearing clothes that are fashionable, having a certain hairstyle and making sure their makeup is on point. But at the same time, how do you inject some of who you are to make yourself stand out? Because every single news station, for the most part, has the same content in that they have the breaking news of the day, they have the international news, they have the entertainment news. And for the most part, if it's a news cycle, it's going to be the same. So the only differentiating factor is who is on the air. So you need to find a way, and this is not just for news anchors, this is for whatever industry you happen to be in. How do you make yourself stand out? And how do you make yourself stand out in a way that is real to you without being unprofessional. I mean, if you're into punk rock, don't wear a Def Leppard shirt on the air. <laughs> but maybe you do wear some, you know, for the optics portion, maybe you do wear a little bit of black. Let that be your signature. You wear a, a, an accessory or something. And then maybe, yeah, if there is a story about a rock band that you love saying, hey, I remember seeing them in 1989. That something as small as that shows that you are a human as well and that other people can say, oh, wait, hey, I, I remember going to see them in 1989 also. And that gives a little bit of that authentic, oh, she's not just reading it. She's actually living it. She's been there. She's she's experienced those same things I have. So um, for me, authenticity is what really set me apart and I think gave me a leg up because it's a very competitive industry to be in television. Okay, my next tip would be surround yourself with people that empower you. One of my favorite sayings, it's not my saying, but your skin folk ain't your kin folk. And the reason why I love it is because we tend to think that if someone looks like you or sounds like you, has the same background as you, you can spill your guts and say whatever you want. That is not the case because you never know. You have to be careful in who you trust. So when it comes to surrounding yourself with people that empower you, you want to have a champion in your corner. When you are down, you want that person to not just say, oh yeah, reach out at any time. You want that person to actually go the extra mile for you. When I was laid off in Tampa, I had a core group of people who actually picked up the phone, made calls to my current boss and said, hey, you got to hire this woman or at least take a look at her. And that really set things apart because I realized out of all the people who I thought were my friends, only that core group were willing to step up and actually put themselves out on a limb and vouch for me. And those are the people who are going to see you through, no matter thick or thin. 
Oh, so <laughs> my third tip has got to be side hustle. It plays a little bit into the failing your way forward because I didn't realize how important a side hustle would be. And I'm not necessarily saying it for money. I'm saying it for creativity as well because I have encountered so many people who work at jobs through interviews and stories I've done where they're trapped at a desk for eight, 10 hours a day and their creativity is being stifled because they're dealing with spreadsheets and numbers all day. And when I was laid off in Tampa, I realized, you know something, I need to always have a plan B. And it sounds paranoid, but you should always work hard at your job, obviously, but also pursue your passion projects because you never know what's going to happen. For me, um, I would go through challenges in my job and I would write them down on sticky notes and in notebooks and notepads. And when I was laid off, I thought, my goodness, maybe I really could do this and put it into a book. And fast forward to today. Day and what we have is make your moment. But it gave me an outlet to really solve some of the problems that I encountered throughout my career and look back at them and reflect and think, how can I make this into a learning lesson for others? And now I get to be on tour and meet great people like you. <laughs> <laughs> Dion, thanks a lot for sharing your advice. I have personally felt a connection to the book. It definitely spoke to me because of our shared experiences. So thanks again for being on today's podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. If you want more information on how to purchase Dion's book, you can find the information in the show notes on today's show. So once again, Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo joined with Dion Lim, the anchor of ABC7 KGO TV here in San Francisco. Questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz. Find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter, and we'll see you soon. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846. 888-828-SVIN.